0: Well, on the Get Up and Go Show this morning, 105.1 WRNZ, I have a, a rare treat, one of the soul masters of all time, ladies and gentlemen, Purvis Jackson of the Spinners, who's coming to Center College the 13th of this month. Good morning.
1: Yeah, very pleasant. Good morning to you and all the people down there in Dansville, Kentucky.
0: Well, Purvis, you're sounding awfully up and bright here this early in the morning, you know. I'll tell you what, and it's, uh, everybody's excited. You know, we uh, we had an old-time rock and roll show at last year and, and uh, packed the rafters, and then when I heard you guys were, were going to be part of the show this year, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you that, well, I don't want to embarrass you, but you've always been one of my favorite groups of all time.
1: Hey, thank you. I'm hey. always delighted to hear that, man. I'm always delighted to hear it, but you got to stop and think for a minute. Uh, you got a lot of great acts on this show, and yeah. all of them over the years have uh, had hits and a sure. lot of great music. Yeah.
0: Well, let me ask you something. Let's go back. The spinners have been around for a long time, uh, and it goes back to I guess uh, the early uh, early 60s to the late 50s. Give us a little walkthrough here uh, on the on the history of the spinners, and then I'll ask you some uh, uh, some other you know poignant questions here. Well,
1: okay. Even though we were together before uh, we got our first record, we go actually go back uh, to the mid 50s, which were our amateur years. Of course, the year 1961, we got our first record. That's what Girls Are Made For Is the title of that. And uh, that was with tri Records. And in 64, we moved to Motown. Mm -hmm. And we had other records there like Sweet Things, uh, Truly Yours, um, I Always Love You. And of course, the biggest there at that time was a record called It's a Shame, written and produced for us by uh, Stevie Wonder. And course uh the early 70s we moved on to atlantic records which uh brings us now into the 70s and of course we had records like uh you know i'll be around could it be i'm falling in love uh, how could i let you get away just to name a few well you
0: know the good the 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 music of the spinners has always been good time music always upbeat uh with a storyline as well uh you know i'll be around is one of those songs uh for anybody that ever suffered a broken heart you know what i mean and quite quite relatable and then of course could it be i'm falling in love kind of speaks for itself here doesn't it? well you guys are still doing a lot of dates uh, i understand across the country
1: oh yeah sure we are as a matter of fact we just completed a two-month tour uh the tour was titled the legends of motown and on that tour was uh the temptations the four tops Miss Mary Wilson of the Supremes, mm-hmm. uh, Junior Walker and the All-Stars, uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, and, of course, the Spinners, And that right. tour uh, covered most of the country, north, east, south, uh, and west. And uh, usually I would say that we're on the road about 75 to 80% of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said earlier, we're looking very forward to coming down uh, your way and having a good time along with the rest of the uh top star acts uh, that you're going to be presenting.
0: Well, of course, the tokens, uh, the Kingsmen, to mention a couple very quickly, but it's obvious by the tone of your voice, uh, Purvis, uh, you must be the tenor of the group. Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, um, let me run off the cats to you uh, real quick. Uh, Bobby Smith is a lead singer and one of our tenors. Billy Henderson is a tenor. Uh, John Edwards is a tenor and lead singer. Uh, Henry Fambro is our baritone and lead singer, and of course I am uh, the bass singer, and occasionally I get a chance to walk around out front. Yeah. Are you the, uh, you're one of the original founding fathers of the group, too, right? Uh, Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, there are four originals in the group. We started out as a quartet, and the same four guys that started out back then are still together today. And of course, over the years, we added a fifth man. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, the latest. Uh, would be John Edwards. And John has been with us now for about 17 years. So I think uh, we're going to be that way from now on, hopefully. Well, that's phenomenal. And, you know, the kind of music that the Spinners and a lot of
0: uh, uh, the old Motown uh, uh, acts used to... Its uh, its lifespan is forever. And I know you're coming to Center College, you know, and and it's amazing to see generation after generation uh, embrace your music as if it were, uh, uh, you know as fresh (laughs) as yesterday
1: oh when you look back over the years uh, a lot of that music is coming back today Right? there have been a lot of remakes and a lot of your rappers are even sampling uh, the music of the uh, 60s and 70s so it was good then and it's still good today and uh, a lot of that music is being played every day every hour uh, around the world so that's uh, one of the reasons that you are bouncing back because uh, the music that we did back then is now extremely popular uh-huh. and it's bringing a lot of the old acts out of the mothballs you might say yeah well, it's nice
0: to know that somewhere in the world 24 hours a day rubber band man is on a turntable or a cd player somewhere
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got to be uh doing the rubber band man along with uh, games people pay, play uh, could it be and, of course, uh, Cupid and working my way back to you, and to have ourselves sure. a ball. And uh, I get a chance to do something I've never done before in my life. And what's that, Purvis? I get a chance to introduce my own act. Uh, <laughs> I'll be uh, <laughs> uh, one of the, or the master of ceremonies uh-huh. uh, of this uh, wow. particular setting. And uh, I'm all geeked up about it. you, well, know,
0: th- you will love Center College, Purvis, because uh, i tell you what, you got a lot of enthusiastic people in last year Uh, You know, they had them bouncing off the walls, and uh, with the lineup that we've got this time, and especially uh, with the magic of the spinners on stage, uh, you know, it's a night you're going to remember for a long time.
1: Well, I I I certainly uh, hope so, and, uh, you know, with all of these great acts and everything and all, it's going to be a lot of great music, and I'm quite sure everybody's going to be performing their hits, and everybody on the show will be going all out to give the audience that very best and uh, that yeah. sort of makes me happy well, i know we, we are
0: yeah well i always hate to ask uh, musicians to do this because i know how, how often they don't like to do it with music but you being the bass man you make your own music can you give us just a little bass riff of one of the all-time great spinner hits before we leave here this
1: morning well let's go back and pick up a little bit of uh the games people play and one of the parts that a lot of people uh kid me about as okay. a matter of fact because of it i had a nickname what was that? Uh, 12.45. Right <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 12. Okay, go ahead. I oh, got yeah. 12.45. Right. Well, that's just a little sample. Yeah, that nickname, uh, we won't go into detail on that, okay? That's, that's
0: interesting. Okay, well, well, Purvis Jackson of the Spinners, we appreciate it. Thank you for joining us this early in the morning. And i tell you what, put Danville, Kentucky down on your map is one of uh, the destinations that uh, you're not going to forget because uh, people are going to have a great time October 13th. In, uh, in Newland Hall. and uh, Purvis, you
1: have yourself a great day, and we'll look forward to seeing you. Hey, uh, I'd like to use this opportunity to, think, to thank you for taking time to uh, to talk with me. Sure. And then again, I'd like to compliment you and your station for your fine standards of broadcasting. I've heard a lot about you guys. Well, good,
0: but well, we appreciate that. We, we try to uphold them, and with people like you around, it's, it's, it's easy. You know what I mean? Hey, thank you. Okay, Purvis Jackson to the spinners, looking forward to it October 13th. Have a safe trip, pal. You too. Okay. Thanks. bye-bye.
2: Starry night. Paint your palette blue and gray. Seven minutes after
0: the hour of 8 o'clock, and it is my pleasure to have legendary singer, songwriter Don McLean with me on the show this morning. Good morning, Don. Hi, how are you? Well, we're doing great. and Yeah, uh, like it. yeah we're having a little fun here and getting ready for uh, your visit uh, this weekend. Yeah. Of course, uh, sure. coming Saturday night to the Vern Rife Center for the Arts.
2: Wow, that's going
0: to be great. Yes, it is. And uh, Don, let me ask you a few questions. Uh, sure. First of all, uh, you're living in Maine now.
2: Yeah, I've been up here for about
0: 15 years. Uh huh. And you—that's where—that's where you reside right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, Don, you know you uh, started writing at, at a young age. Actually, did quite a bit of stuff and and wrote a huge uh, hit for Perry Como. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, actually, the the song was uh, recorded by me first and got on the charts. It was, it was amazing because, you know, the first album that I made, Tapestry, was called actually before the Carole King one. That really was a huge record. I uh, actually had two songs that ended up on the charts, which blew me away. I didn't expect that. One was End I Love You So, and the other was, was Castles in the Air. And Those are both things that sort of, have uh, stapled my uh, repertoire for many years, but uh, and I Love You So then started getting recorded by all of the pop singers in the early 70s, you know, Andy Williams and um, Johnny Mathis and all those folks. And then Como, who was sort of the grand old man of that kind of thing, <laughs> had one record with it. So. Yeah. And then after that, Elvis began recording. It, so it, it, it had a heck of a long run uh, during the 70s.
0: Well, you have uh, just an unbelievable uh, uh, style of music and an ear for music, too. Now, uh, I had a listener call me this morning and tell me that uh, you're a huge uh, Western uh, fan. And uh, yeah. y- do you know you're coming to Roy Rogers' hometown?
2: I did not know. I know he was born in Duck Run. Well, what? that's right here. Which isn't that something?
0: Yeah, and I know you've included Happy Trails on one of your albums. Oh,
2: yeah, well, actually, one of the songs on this album. Uh, uh, I'll just digress for a moment. There's a website don com or americanpie.com, and there are a number of, uh, of of CDs that can only be gotten either at the show or online. One of them is called the Western Album, and on there is an album called my song called My Saddle Pal and I, which was written by Roy Rogers, and it was in a a Charles Starrett movie in the thirties. Wow. Called Outlaws of the Plains. Okay. But uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, I love that kind of stuff, and I've, I used to actually go to the, the Roy Rogers Museum in Victorville, um, when I would go out to California.
0: Well, we have, a, uh, one here, actually, and then we also have a, d- he's on the murals, we have a flood wall that is just, uh, ordained with all kinds of past historical things. and the
2: museum of his in, in Portsmouth? Yes,
0: we actually have, a, uh, it's in the, it's in the post office, and we do have a museum, and maybe when you're in town, if you'd like to go see it, we can make arrangements for that. Wow, cool! It's so right now. It's not open to the public, but it's open for special occasions. And Don, I think you're a special occasion. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> hey, uh, let's. You know, you, you've written so many great songs. Uh, uh, let me ask you a question. Let's go back and talk a little American Pie. Can we do that? Sure. Okay. When you sat down and wrote that song 35 years ago, did you ever, ever have any inkling? that this song would have an impact not only in music, but socially in the world that it's become.
2: Well, I knew when I thought of the, the title, when I, when I came up with the idea of, of American Pie, when I said that, when I came up with that, I remember a light going off in my head and thinking, that's a great title. I always used to look at songs, and I would look at the titles of albums, look at the titles of songs, and they had to be special, and that one was, and it inspired me in a sense to spend a long time thinking about what the concept of that was going to be i already had a chorus Mm -hmm. and i had a front part of the song about buddy holly but uh it took me another three months to get it together you know nobody had ever had an eight minute song before so there was no way to, to ever think that such a song would be uh you know a big song well, I remember
0: when I was in my early days of radio, and, of course, they sent the 45 out, and they put uh, half of it on one side and half of it on the other.
2: That's right. They put half on one side and half on the other. And, uh, you know, wh- the great thing about it was that uh, you ended up uh, getting a double play. You end up getting a double play on it. So right. Every, everybody got paid <laughs> twice, believe it or not. The song got, every time you played it, they played that then they went and bought the album because they could only get half the song um you know on on the record so they would buy the album so they could hear the whole track
0: well you know the song and the song and fm radio at the time couldn't have come along at a better time because fm Uh, was kind of in its uh, infancy uh, throes of trying to find things to bring listeners to the FM dial from the AM dial. And uh, I think they kind of just were drawn to it like a magnet, and that song became such an anthem, I mean, then and still is now.
2: You know, it's amazing because, you know, most people that know the song were not around even when it was written. Right. But I remember it opening these floodgates of people wanting to hear oldies, 50s songs. And I remember all these '50s stations uh, starting up afterwards. The 50s format was not really even around in in 71. Right. But they play American Pie and then they play Maybe Baby. They play American Pie, they play (laughs) That'll Be The Day. And then because people wanted to hear this music and it had been kind of uh, pushed aside, you know, because we were always moving forward, looking backwards. American Pie started people looking backward I guess, <laughs> while they were going forward. Or something.
0: Well, well, you know, the, the song, I mean, there's been college courses about this song, Don. Uh, you know, the symbolism. What does this mean? What does that mean? Have you ever cracked the code on that, written a book? Or, I mean, it's no, such
2: I wanted you to think those things. That was part of the fun of the song. But, right. but it's also supposed to be vague as well. So to, to be specific about it, it kind of takes the the fun out of it. So right. I've always, you know, left that alone, but it's not because I'm I'm being coy, it's because it's <laughs> part of the whole idea. I, I sort of you know when I write a song, um, and that's probably the, the greatest example of anything I ever did, I, I always try to go into a world and that that was a world that that required a bit of a Romana Clef, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was but it isn't totally that way. It's really sort of like a, a dream. And so that's it was very difficult to express what it was that I had in my head, All right. and, but I did it, and the thing about it is that that we made a good record, we had a good record company, we then had a hit with it, which was this phenomenon, and I was able to, luckily enough, launch it, rather than have it be just something that stayed on the shelf, or that was a, a nice track somewhere on an album that didn't sell, Sure. so there were a whole lot of other wonderful things that happened.
0: How long did it take you to write the song in its entirety?
2: Uh, it didn't take more than an hour, but it was stretched out over about three months.
0: Right. I heard, now this is uh, of course part of the Don McLean American Pie lore. Isn't there a tavern in New York or somewhere, a booth where you supposedly sat and did, no, did a, a lion's no, share of writing that song?
2: None of that, none of that stuff is true. Okay. No. I heard
0: a friend of mine from New York no, says, I, I sat in the same booth that Don wrote the song. Oh,
2: that's not true. <laughs> You know, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff gets started. I am, you know, singularly um, a homebody. I think I wrote that at a, at the home of a, a fr- of a girlfriend I had, and in, in, in part of it, and right. the other part was written in my in my little house that I lived in when I lived in Cold Spring, New York
0: on the Hudson River. So, no. Yeah. Well, you know, here it is uh, 35 years later and, and you know, you've introduced the song into generations and generations of people who, who weren't even around at the time and, and love it. And you know, as a songwriter and a performer, that's almost as close to writing like Happy Birthday to you. I mean, this song is going to live forever and that that's just a, a magnificent feat.
2: Well, you know, and I I mean, I I got inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and that was probably one of the most memorable nights of my life as far as, you know, my career goes, and uh, I've had a lot of amazing things happen to me in my career, which has been never been on the straight and narrow it's, it's always been <laughs> odd things that have happened to me that have sort of yeah. come out of the blue you know whether it was the killing me softly thing or the vincent thing or
0: well the t- tell me a little bit about that because i think that's one of those little known facts a lot of people don't realize but I'm, i mean music aficionados do that the roberta flack song killing me softly with his song is about you
2: yeah I'm the, I'm the guy in the song according to uh, <clears throat> Lori lieberman whose managers and songwriters wrote the song and they based it on her uh, telling them what it was like seeing me sing a song called Empty Chairs uh, mm-hmm. at the Troubadour in Los Angeles. And um, I didn't have anything to do with this. I don't even have a PR agent. She went on television when the song was number one, when Roberta's record was number one, and uh, told the story. So that's how it got out, because at that time, a lot of people were saying, oh, no, it's about Warren Beatty. You know, like, <laughs> So there was a lot of was it about kind of stuff, actually spawned by American Pie, you know, which started that whole thing. So it was kind of funny. But, you know, at that point, I was sort of off the radar. Here I am coming back again. So um, it's like when Garth Brooks had me in Central Park there and uh, the clip of the two of us singing that song went all over the world in front of a million people. I mean, you know, I've just been lifted up by friends and, and people who liked what I did or maybe the music meant something to them. But it's never been the record company or Big Money or uh, PR or any of that stuff uh, behind me because record companies uh, never knew what I did. They never really understood what I did.
0: Well here, you know, you're in the middle of, uh, you know, rock and roll top 40 radio and, and you've released uh, American Pie to, to the masses and it, it is huge. And then only Don McLean can write a song about Vincent Van Gogh and have it also be a, a huge, iconish hit that's uh, still as popular today as it ever was. We're talking about Vincent.
2: Well, that that one keeps coming back. Uh, you know, we've had a number of recordings on that, and uh, Josh Groban brought it back, and Julio Iglesias brought it back, and it'll probably come back again someday <laughs> with someone else. Uh, um, you yeah, know, I, all, all I all these songs do is represent the kind of corners of my mind and and the way i think about things and the, i think the thing to notice about the, those two songs is how totally different they are
0: right exactly and
2: every other song i've written is totally different from each each other song so uh this is not the prescription for commercial success uh you know they like you to write american pie two three four five you know keep, keep that particular uh, Thing going, but uh, I'm a, kind of a one to the customer
0: guy. I think that's been part of your, um, most of your popularity, Don, is, is you've dared to be different and have it in, in every. Uh, in every corner of the music industry. Now the one thing that I also know that, you know, it takes uh, a real master, it takes somebody with real sensitivity to take somebody else's music, somebody such as Roy Orbison, and take that same song and interpret it as, as their own. But of course, Crying became a huge big hit and another, uh, just a beautiful piece of music.
2: That's an interesting story. I always loved that song. And I related to that song, I understood that song. I, I, I guess I had some sorrow in my life when I was younger and I was not all that happy. For a whole lot of reasons in the 1970s a lot of people who were very successful very quickly will probably tell you the same story right but uh i related to that uh, record and i had met roy at johnny cash's house when i lost four grammys uh the night of the grammys in nashville in 73 and roy was a big fan of mine and i of him and we uh i got to know him and and it was so odd because, you know, when I was re- finally went to record in Nashville, which is in 1978, uh, I worked with the great Larry Butler, who produced 100 hits for Kenny Rogers. I mean, this guy was, he was the most amazing producer that anybody ever saw. And, you know, here I came with all these songs. I did this album called Chain Lightning, which, I mean, <laughs> There were odd songs on this thing, and then there were remakes of things, and then there were new songs, and you know, Butler just went with it, you know, because it wasn't what he would think of as Don McLean, but each album isn't, you know, it's always got to be new stuff, so I felt I want to do, you know, crying, and uh, so okay, let's do it, you know, so we did it, and oh my god, it came out so great, but the record company, had just dropped me. It was Arista Records, and I made an album for them they hated, <laughs> and they wanted out. So the album stuck around for about a year, right? and then the song popped up on the charts in, in Holland, and then it became number one in England, and then number one in Australia, and a little record company uh, run by Donny Einer's brother, a guy named Jimmy Einer. Donnie Einer runs Columbia Records. Yeah. Uh, took the record on and became number three and here I was back in it again. You
1: know, <laughs> It's
0: incredible how this works. You know, know. Don, and again, your your your, your music selection is...
2: the hard way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you on the Don Ima show a few months yeah. ago. How, how was working with the I-Man?
2: Well, you know, he's... Uh, if he likes you, he likes you, and if he doesn't, he doesn't, but I think he basically wants to like people. I think he All wants right. to... Uh, he's
0: reaching out, I think, don't you think? He wants
2: to be a good person and wants, <laughs> he doesn't like to be a guy who... Uh, misuses his power because you know once you're on the show like that. I mean, you remember Carson, how Carson was. He was. Right. He, he was always a little nervous. He was going to, you know, trash you in front of the whole whole country.
0: Now he showed he showed quite a bit of respect, and well, you can yeah. tell. I think he really was honored having you on his show. Well, as, as I am.
2: You know, uh, thank you. But uh, I, I'll think nothing of getting up and walking off if someone is, is rude. I, I right. really don't. I don't need need to do these things. Right. So, I think he sensed that so. mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well you know it's got to be tough to be on not only live radio but right live television at the same time and probably not the uh, you know maybe not the most uh, as far as studio audiences go you got camera guys standing around so on and so forth and then oh, trying to do your sure. stuff with all that going on
2: they're totally distracted right and, uh, nobody although i tell you they were really went nuts when we we sang there and they loved it and uh i enjoyed doing the show very much i enjoyed uh, talking to him and the show was funny and it turned out great uh he had he had tried to reach me um because he wanted to use the lyric from american pie on his on his cookbook ranch right and uh the reason that was is there was a a little boy there who had passed away and american pie was his favorite song Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, this guy's got a lot of heart to be around these children.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: Um, who are so ill? Yeah. It's, uh, what? It's really, I, I give him a ton of credit for that because it, you know, and it's this little boy he got very attached to, and, right. and, the, and the kid seemed like he was on the way back, mm. and then he died. Man. And you know, so I must had him on the show and, and played the whole song, and I happened to tune in and see it. Wow! And so. A while later like a six months later he said you know where's don McLean?" i want to ask him well you i was summoned you know so i called up he had me on the show on the phone you know and we i let him use this well you wouldn't believe it i mean he went on uh he went on russert's show and he went on larry king's show to promote and all he did was say great things about me so you know it a good thing to do to do good things for people. sure. I
0: mean, it, it comes around, and especially in this industry. And I, I, which leads me real quick. I'm going to ask you: Have you? I, I guess you worked with Lou Graham once in a giant concert. Maybe that's the one you were talking about there in uh, in New York. Uh, I don't
2: remember. Uh, you know, if I did,
0: he he uh, said the ba- I, I, and, and he was kind of vague as to where it was. But you, you guys know, are going to be on the same stage Saturday night. Blur.
2: It's like a blur. My, my first <laughs> 20 years, I can't remember anything about. <laughs> I mean it. Right, I was on the road solid right. for nine months a year for about 12 years. Right. And I don't remember anything.
0: Well, you're going to have some fun. We're going to make you remember Portsmouth, Ohio, and we're going to make you... I'm, I'm going to see if I can maybe get your private tour of the Roy Rogers Museum. How's that sound? Okay. And uh, what you're, you're coming in on Saturday, I know, you and the band. and uh, in
2: on the day, and we'll be down for the sound check.
0: Okay. Well, Don McLean, it's a pleasure having you on my show here this morning and, uh, really looking forward to seeing you. You're going to love the Vern Reif Center. It's as acoustically pleasant as you've ever played. And it, it's a real, uh, as a crowd that is going to be so appreciative that, uh, you've come to town and, uh, can't wait till Saturday night.
2: Terrific. Well, we have a, I want to just tell the folks this is not, you know, if you saw me on Imus, that's the group I take with me and, uh, you know, we rock and roll. Okay. So it should be a lot of
0: fun. All right. And, of course, and then the other thing I want to mention, you've got lots of uh, your stuff you're bringing to town, and you're going to be autographing after your show. Is that correct? Yes, I will. Okay. So if anybody comes to the show can uh, meet Don McLean. And, uh, Don, hang on just a second. I'll be right back with you, okay? Okay. Okay. Don
2: McLean this morning,
0: ladies and gentlemen, fascinating human being. We'll have a chance, of course, uh, meet him Saturday night.